Hey everyone and welcome to The Year Was, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question, hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I'm your host Michael Montalvo. For the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to try and find out what makes today truly unique. On this episode we examine the events that occurred November 30th. If you are like me, you like going to museums, but the trouble with museums is that they are so limited in what they have to show you. I guess for maybe the Smithsonian, but I've never been there. The idea of these massive collections of items akin to nowhere in the collector has a certain appeal to me, and that's why when I found out about the Crystal Palace, I had to talk about it. All the way back in 1849, Prince Albert insert your own joke here, came up with the idea of an expo, or a convention. It would be a collection of people from all over the world, and with the backing of the royal couple, funding was quickly secured and work began to construct a hall that was worthy of the magnificence that was to be this great exhibition of 1851. Enter one Joseph Paxton, no relation. From Wikipedia, I found that Paxton was born August 3rd, 1803 to parents that I could not actually find the names to in my many minutes of research. Paxton took an interest in the botanicals and at an early age eventually became a garden boy for Sir Gregory Osborne Page-Turner at Battleston Park. Sir Gregory, like many of Stephen King's books, was a real Page-Turner. And I wrote this sentence just to make that joke. Paxton obtained in 1823 a position in horticultural societies. And I'm going to jump around a bit, but he designed or redesigned gardens, became a skillful tree mover, once moving an 8-ton mature tree, which survived the move. He would also go on to build rock gardens and the Emperor Fountain at Chatsworth House. In 1832, he switched interests or rather added the interest of greenhouses and designed a series for exotic plants. In 1836, he did two things of note. He began construction on the Great Conservatory, a large glasshouse at Chatsworth, designed by Decimus Burton. He also cultivated the Cavendish banana. For his work on this, he was actually awarded a Royal Horticultural Society medal. So why am I talking about an English gardener, botanist, and horticulturalist? Because when it came time to find an architect to construct this great exhibition hall, Joseph Paxton is who they turned to. To be fair, in 1850, a contest was held to find a cheap, quick design that could be built cheaply and quickly. The committee chose Paxton's design, which resembled a greenhouse in that it was made of wood, cast iron, and plate glass. It was the Crystal Palace. The Crystal Palace was 617 yards long and 128 feet high. It had 990,000 square feet of exhibition space and would be home to 14,000 exhibitors during the Great Exhibition at Hyde Park. I forgot to mention that earlier, the exhibition was at Hyde Park. The construction took only nine months to complete and was done so using only British materials. And it actually housed three full-sized elm trees inside. Now, all of this sounds big, and that's because it was, but much like the spruce goose, 
most people failed to realize just how big it actually was. The total floor space was 23 acres, and on the ground floor and galleries, there were over 8 miles of display tables. 6 million people attended, which may not sound like a lot, while also sounding like a lot, but remember, this is in the 1850s. After the exhibition, all was well, and then they decided to move the entire palace to South London. The entire thing was dismantled, redesigned, and eventually reassembled. The palace was served by two railway stations that brought countless visitors and became a must-see location for London. Over time, the novelty began to wear off and the palace saw fewer and fewer visitors. It was eventually reduced to a rundown palace with a desperate need for repair. It was briefly used as the Royal Navy training base and then as the first home of the Imperial War Museum. The owners would eventually declare bankruptcy, however, and it was revitalized with new owners in the 1930s until... The year was 1936, and in this week, on November 30th, London's Crystal Palace burnt down. There had been fires in the past. They were just much smaller in nature. The fire, according to the Londonist.com, began as a small office fire, but quickly caught hold of the high winds of the winter night. From express.co.uk, at around 7pm, the night watchman was out walking his dog with his daughter, also named Crystal, a fact not important to the story but mentioned practically everywhere I read, when he saw a small red glow coming from the building. He ran inside and found two night watchmen trying to put out the fire with no luck. By this time, it was 8 p.m. and emergency services were called, but the fire had spread rapidly. 430 firemen, 749 police officers, and 88 fire engines fought the fire until the next morning when, unfortunately, nothing remained of the palace except for two towers holding water that a group of hobbits had to pass in order to find the fires of Mordor in order to destroy the One Ring. The blaze from this fire could be seen across eight counties and drew an audience in the thousands, including Winston Churchill, who lamented that it was the end of an age. It was one of the largest fires ever in British history, and no one still really knows what was the cause of it. The silver lining here is that no one was killed. You want to know something weird, though? New York built its own Crystal Palace in 1853 for the 1853 exhibition. The American Crystal Palace was directly inspired by the British one in design and function. It also burned down. This one in 1858, five years after its completion during the American Institute Fair. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps show us in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the year was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.